Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty and this is Talking Design 2018, episode number 21. In this episode, we're talking to Keith Westbrook, director of Cumulus Studio from Tasmania. Well, you have two offices in Tasmania, Hobart and Launceston, and three years ago you came to Melbourne to establish an office here. Welcome to the program. Great. Thanks, Stephen. Um, we can start with your background. You studied at the University of Tasmania in architecture. You mm. established Cumulus Studio about seven years ago. Uh, I established the Melbourne office. Uh, oh, okay. The other directors started the business oh, okay. seven years ago. Um, Keith, tell me about Tasmania because it's really going ahead leaps and bounds at the moment. And particularly, as you said, in the tourism area, you're doing a lot of projects in Tasmania Mm, to do with absolutely. tourism and hospitality. Yeah, uh, and I think um, we found ourselves in that boom and the business started, you know, as that was really taking off. Um, previously to starting this company, um, myself and Peter and Kylie had previously worked at another business in Tasmania where we were involved in projects such as, you know, Sapphire Resort on the east coast of Tasmania. And so that was one of their first big-name hotels in Tasmania and... Um, you know, off the back of that, that sort of led to, I guess, a certain skill set, which then, you know, created some of these other projects and projects such as Pump House Point here and um, the Devil's Corner Winery. I mean, they were some of the first jobs that happened in the business in that tourism space. Um, Keith, I mean, obviously, um, David Walsh and MoMA mm. has had uh, a huge impact on oh, Tasmania. And it, mm. that's obviously correlated with the boom in hospitality because basically it's very difficult to get accommodation now mm. in Hobart. Uh, yes, that's definitely true. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of new hotel rooms going in, in Tasmania. Um, I think yeah, David Walsh has had a huge impact on, on Tasmania and it's and it's just provide that confidence for everyone else to you know, try those creative business ideas or you know take a risk with, with a different, um, you know, whether it's hospitality or a hotel development. I think it's... You know, just sort of built that momentum. Um, when I left Tasmania about what was it, 2011, um, Mona had, I think, been open so reasonably recently, and there was already a bit of a you know a swing. Sort of things are starting to happen, but it was generally you know not a lot of projects or developments happening in the state. And I think if you look back over the last you know five ten years, it's it's really oh. changed. I mean. Today you go down to Hobart, like you say, you can't get a hotel room, and there's you're pretty spoiled for choices in terms of the food's uh, fantastic, absolutely, mm. climate's wonderful. Mm. Uh, no, it's a terrific place. Tell me about the Pump House Point because that's an interesting project. Yeah, so th this um, Lake St Clair. That's right. So it's in central Tasmania in in the Highlands, and it's actually on the edge of the World Heritage Area. Um, so. If you've heard of the Overland Track, so that runs from Cradle Mountain and runs through the Highlands, um, it's a couple of days hike, and and basically it ends at Lake St Clair here. So this um, this is the deepest lake in Australia, and it was used as part of the hydroelectric scheme in Tasmania in early days. So this pump house building was was actually there to pump water out of the lake to feed the river, which then helped create electricity in the state. So this this actually sat there dormant. I think it was only ever used a couple of times. And how? When was it built? Okay. Uh, the original building or the hotel? The original. The original building. I can give you an exact date, but it would have been 18, last century sometime. Eighteen eighty. Late eighteen hundreds, I imagine, or early nineteen hundreds. And what mm. state was it in when you? 
it was it. basically just a derelict shell, really. Um, and we still can't quite work out why they put windows in this building because it was designed to house pumping equipment. So it was quite a beautiful building to basically hold a pump. Um, and there was also a shore house, which um, is located over here. Um, that's basically, we've got 12 rooms, we've got half a dozen out in the, um, the building on the pier and then another um, handful um, in the, on the shore as well. So how do you kind of, you obviously work with heritage specialists on this? Yeah, well, we also, I think by the nature of Tasmania with so many heritage buildings, we tend to do, deal with a lot of heritage um, just through that naturally. Um, and we always like to work with heritage structures. I think they bring a real interest and grain to the, the project. So how many um, rooms were put into this pump house? Uh, Did you say 12? I believe that there's 12 all up. And I could be wrong. Yeah, maybe there's 18. So. 18. Mm. In terms of, Keith, in terms of the um, constraints, I mean, mm. working with something as sensitive as this, mm. what was the issue? What, what were the challenges in, in bringing this up to a luxury hotel? Well, at, when, we, when this project came about, there weren't any floors within this. So there's now there's three floors within that. So it was actually about building a new structure within an existing shell and rest, restoration as well as... Um, yeah, maintaining its character. You know, it's, it's on this sort of wild part of Tasmania, so trying to kind of hang on to that character of it as well as while making it luxury. And so it became quite internal in a way, and um, material choices. And um, how, how did people find out about the pump house? Because I've never heard of it before. Is it um, word of mouth? <laughs> is it a word of mouth just for Tasmanians, or is it uh, something that no, something that people seek out? I mean, if you try to book a room there now, you'll struggle for quite a number of months to to find a room. Um, there's recently been some new um, buildings built on the shore there as well, sort of to increase the visitor numbers. I, I think it's um, it is reasonably well known. I think people seek it out, and mm -hmm. I think it is because it's in that wild environment. It's probably one of the few hotels in Tasmania that's sort of really out in the wild like that. And it received an award? Yes, it did. It went, won various architecture awards and um, tourism awards as well. Fantastic. Another um, project that has really done very well for you and perhaps putting you out in the, in the mainstream is Devil's Corner, mm. which almost looks like um, a, yeah, what do they call it? The periscopes? Yeah, it is. actually it's an interesting comment because we've sort of used that in some other projects as well. Was it yeah. inspired by um, a periscope? Uh, I probably can't go into the too, ma too many details as to where the form evolved mm. from, but it was really driven through experience and a lot of our projects we really try to um, understand what the experience might be like from a visitor's perspective. So this was about, uh, you know, it's a vineyard, so it was about wine um, and so we actually looked for inspiration in terms of the environment in which the wine's grown and, and appreciating the sky. So there's elements of it which actually you look up and sort of frame the sky and then there's views about the horizon which is all about the great the blocks of vines beyond and then a lookout to sort of observe the environment which you're in. And so it was about this sort of series of experiences that um, help frame the landscape to sort of, kind of give you a greater understanding of of the process for or the environment in which the grapes are actually grown in and then that um this lookout also sort of came about almost as a an add-on to the project because um on the highway nearby there was 
quite a dangerous corner where everyone would stop for that you know hero photo of of the hazard mountain ranges on Coles Bay and and so we, we actually managed to bring that aspect into the project which um, I guess provided a reason for people to stop here and when they did they also grabbed a bottle of wine so oh, it actually became this quite interesting strategy for how they sort of would use this as a, essentially a toilet stop for people driving down the east coast but then you could also grab a coffee and a you know pizza and grab yeah. a bottle of wine taste the wine and so and be, where is devil's corner uh east coast of tasmania mm-hmm. yeah it's just um if you're um if you know coles bay and yeah. the hazard ranges there it's sort yeah. of just south of there on your way back towards hobart so there isn't a real lot there's a few small towns but not a real lot along the way there and what's been the reaction to this place uh hugely successful um one of the things that drove this project was there was a I guess an early concern about whether or not this would even be successful and, and the actual whole project was constructed out of shipping containers because it has the ability to basically Be-disc. unbolt and move it to somewhere where it might be more visited. But as it turns out, they've had something like a tenfold increase in sales of their wine and um, already planning other extensions at the moment to increase. In, in shipping containers, in the form of shipping um, containers and making it their kind of yeah, branding? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's probably become a bit of a, a trend in a way, the shipping container development, but I think this one's been quite successful because it's, you know, you probably wouldn't notice it being shipping containers initially. I mean, some aspects of it are more it's shipping not. containery than others, but... Um, so the lookout, for instance, mm, is one shipping container. It's a couple joined end-to-end, yeah. Adapted and manipulated. What would you say, um, Keith, is Cumulus's... Uh, not star, because that's a very vacuous word, but, mm. you know, when people look at a building, one of your works, what do you think comes out of that image? Mm. I think it's interesting that you talk about a style, because we've, I think, quite deliberately not Have tried to be a particular style, and I think that's partly due to our process in the office, is that we sort of talk about ourselves, you know, rather than having the, the sort of godlike architect who directs about, you know, the minions below, we Look yeah, every, everyone's actually yeah. really involved in the process so we'll get quite different outcomes but there is always a desire to as respond to the site and the brief and um, sort of tie those things together and once again talking about experience so we really try to understand what the how can we heighten an existing experience or create a new experience that would be um, you know exciting for someone to visit or seek it seek out this particular project even just things like the apple shed which is in um, the Huonville. Yeah, that's right. An interesting project that you've kind of taken this very basic timber shed mm. and turned it into almost like a tourist destination. That's right, absolutely. And this um, this whole area, well, Tasmania is known as the Apple Isle, as you've probably heard before. Heard of it, I yeah. think I have. And yeah. so this whole pr- whole region of Tasmania, well, in fact, lots of areas of Tasmania are about apple growing and and that does just doesn't happen anymore so there's no long no longer really happens to extend it used to maybe 50 100 years ago because of the imports of yeah. apples and so these you know th- this shed for example was an old museum which showed stuff but it was huge it you was know, cluttered full of junk really and so this this project was more about just stripping out everything to appreciate um, the apples and and uh, apple cider um Brewer came in, Willie Smith Cider, so they actually that's their home now, essentially to operate from, and they still grow apples in the area, but and sort of use it for cider. What is, what is it about the Tasmanian landscape 
that you feel particularly passionate about? Mm. Because, yeah. you, you know, it is quite different. It is very different. And I think it's sort of on the edge of the world in a way. It's quite wild. And I think you know, almost every site that you get in Tasmania is an, an, an absolute cracker in a way. It's a what? A cracker in a way because it's, you know, there's not... We don't kind of too often have bad sites in Tasmania. So you always have either an amazing view or it's in a sort of a remote place or it's mm. on the edge of the water somewhere. And so I think a lot of architects in Tasmania are inspired by the landscape or somehow try to frame the landscape. You know, it is very landscape yeah. heavy, I think, in Tasmania. Port Arthur Hotel. Mm. Yeah, so this was a, essentially the sister hotel to the Sapphire Resort, which I spoke about before. Um, clients, um, essentially the casino operator in Tasmania, and they've got a number of hotels um, around Tasmania, um, and the, the the Sapphire Resort that I spoke to was yeah. you know, so their premium. It's where the people flying by a helicopter and don't want to be seen ever, and you know, spend thousands of dollars a night. And it's just a really amazing experience. I think it is really built around experience, and so this was to is is to create uh, sort of a, I guess a second experience, which is not too close to Port Arthur. It's, though. Well, it's right actually next to it and there's an existing lodge on this site a travel lodge a motorhome sort of um hotel motel which has been pulled down yeah so this and it's yeah essentially the end of its life it's pretty tired so this is to replace that it's obviously a completely different market um but what has really driven this project is actually it's how we can make it less visible from within the um, the World Heritage Area of Port Arthur. Um, obviously, we don't want to have a big shiny hotel that's sort of as the backdrop to this. You know, it's quite a, a dark place in yeah. Tasmania. Um, so, views quite earthy, recessive materials. Yeah, and, and the, even the form of it. You know, whereas Sapphire was all about sort of a big architectural statement that you see. This is very much about sort of burying it, burying it within the ground and lowering everything as low a profile as possible and there was a lot of work that's gone into this um, to appreciate how it's actually seen from within certain key landmarks within the um, Port Arthur Arthur heritage area Um, and then you've done this wonderful place uh, in Cradle Mountain Mm. that almost looks like a viewing platform yes so there's this project's um, about to start construction shortly. Um, this is a Cradle Mountains, probably the number one destination in Tasmania for tourists, um, and so there hasn't really been any particular or any facilities. I mean, when I was young, growing up in Tasmania, you'd drive all the way down there to Dove Lake, you'd park your car and go for a walk, and you might there might be a couple of other cars in the car park, but that was about it. Whereas now, you can't even drive down there; you've got to take a shuttle bus. It's just absolutely jam packed full of tourists. Um, mm. And so it's just there's just no amenity there to and and the so, state's trying to grow its tourism. So is this the first mm. major development in that area? Yeah, I mean there's a number of uh, hotels and lodges in the area, but in terms of actual visitor amenities, um, yeah, it certainly f- sort of formalises that more. I mean there's been some small visitor centre, but nothing mm. that really caters for current needs. So this will be a visitor centre yeah, and so there's hotel. Two, there's two parts. There's no hotel. This is um, there's a village which is um, sort of essentially a visitor centre where people will stop. There is a group, sort of a plan for a, a cable car actually to run right in to Dove Lake, um, which is this viewing viewing lookout. Um, and so that they're actually sort of separate parts of the project. Um, 
and so at the moment there's part of the village is being built and then um, later on if there's sort of additional funding then the cable car will happen as okay. a sort of second stage. And coming closer to Melbourne mm. you're doing a, a small but exciting project uh, in front of the National in front of the Arts Centre. Yeah that's right the Arts Centre. Which will be Melbourne. opening in March. That's correct. Yes. Tell me so, about that Keith because that's an interesting project. Uh, so this project came about uh, as a design competition there was a call out from art center um they're looking to replace an existing cafe they have there on the forecourt um as you say it's just right between the art center's theaters building and the ngv um so a very prominent location mm. within the city um we were lucky to be shortlisted as one of four for a, a design competition and and we put forward some um of out there ideas in a way of, of how we might approach how this. How would you describe this installation? Because it's more than an installation. I mean, it'll it be is. with us for five it's years. It's essentially a cafe and bar operating there to replace an existing cafe. So it sort of makes something more more appropriate for its location because the existing thing's sort of grown out of a coffee cart with some umbrellas over it and and it's not really appropriate for it for you know such a Prominent significant building. place. Yeah. Um, but in terms of what's driven the design... I think similar thread to some of our other projects is very much about experience. So we looked at, you know, what does the theatre's building do at the moment? I think quite a lot of people don't really appreciate what's in the theatre's building because it's such a monolithic sort of masonry construction and, and there's not really any connection on the street. So this is really about drawing some ideas from that theatre, which is such as the red curtain going up and down and um, the way that the lighting rigs are all set up within in the gallery so we actually took that idea of the curtain as a device to signify sort of open and closing um, and actually created this curtain that wraps around the cafe which will theatrically open up every morning and close down at night and so literally but not a fabric curtain no it's actually um it's an interesting product from new zealand it's actually it's like chain mail really plastic polycarbonate chain mail and it was actually developed for the lord of the rings movies for all yeah. the costumes so and what so it'll just story. come up that's right it's all in an automated system that will lift up and down and the image on that mm. material is of people that's a uh, sort of a separate night time um projection art that we're currently developing with with the art center and so that'll continue to change yeah that's the idea the idea is that it will be potentially art that's inspired by upcoming shows or it might just be used for uh, other art projection that you know for things like white night or whatever it might be in melbourne that it's about about activating that forecourt at night as well um keith it's an interesting project and it is even though it's small it is quite significant because it will be it's a bit like the m pavilions directly opposite i think so and the ngv's sort of their summertime pavilion, which is interesting that it's all sort of happening in that little precinct. So you will mm. build up a name quite quickly, I imagine, when mm. that installation is actually... Um, well, certainly a lot of people will go past it, so it'll be hard to miss. <laughs> <laughs> what gives you the most pleasure with um, a brief? Is it doing something completely left of centre? Mm. Oh, um, I think it's... We always... I, I get the most enjoyment out of a project when it's... And it turns out nothing like what you thought it might. And it's that idea that you you sort of approach design and um, without any sort of preconceived idea of, of what it could be. There's a, a process in place for how you might respond to a client's um, brand or an experience and, and sort of build upon that and then 
you know, combine that with some other influences such as the functional needs. And, but then yeah. what happens in the end could be something quite different to what you actually even yeah, thought of. I think so. That, that's, that's the interesting thing for me, seeing, seeing ideas that you know, come out of your mind and uh, I guess not things that are done every day, like a lifting curtain. How can we actually sort of... It's almost a bit like inventing something along the way. You're not trying to copy something that's been done before. You're trying to sort of create new new things. I think that's where I get the most enjoyment. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. It's really mm. going to be. I'm looking forward to it. So that'll be March, and, y- and yes. you said it'd be there for a number of years. Yes, my understanding is it will be there for about five years yeah. um, to be confirmed, but that's that's the yeah. client's intent. be a lovely addition mm. to Melbourne. Thank you. Mm. Um, thanks so much for coming onto the program today, Keith. Um, it's lovely hearing new voices and seeing mm. great work. This has been Talking Design 2018, recorded at RMIT University in Melbourne.